We're going to have uh, Simon come and preach to us in a minute. Tonight we're going to be looking at the Beatitude, Blessed are those who are merciful. The last couple of months we've been in this book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 5, looking at the Beatitudes, um, and Simon's going to take us to the next one tonight. We're going to show a video first, which probably quite a few have seen and probably sick to the back teeth of watching it, but... It's a really good thing just to watch over and over again, just to let these Beatitudes flow over us and um, to really sink into our inner being. So we're going to watch the video, and then Emma is going to come and read from us from Matthew 18. Now, when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them. He said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. The reading is taken from Matthew chapter 18, verses 21 to 35, and can be found on page 985 of your Bible. The parable of the unmerciful servant. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay the, pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell onto his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, cancelled the debt, and let him go. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, Be patient with me and I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison 
until he could pay back the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I cancelled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he paid back all he owed. This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you very much indeed, uh, Emma, for that reading. Um, I hope you're ready to be challenged tonight. Are, are you ready? Yes. Ish, okay. Uh, because this is a really challenging reading, and uh, I'm praying that I won't pull any punches or mislead you about what the, passages, uh, the, what the passage teaches. Uh, so uh, let's pray together. God of wonder and grace. We pray for each other now that as we listen to your word, uh, you would open our hearts. Uh, We pray that each of us would know what it is to receive mercy. And we pray that you would give us the courage and the grace to show mercy. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Great. So we are looking tonight uh, at that next beatitude. Blessed are the merciful for they will be shown mercy. And as a background to that, we've got the story uh, that Emma's just read for us from Matthew chapter 18. Now, the question that begins at that passage is one that is familiar to many of us. Peter goes to Jesus and says, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Uh, We all know what that feels like. Uh, You've been hurt. It's unfair. I'm the one who always forgives. It's a brother or a sister who has hurt me. What if they don't deserve to be forgiven? What if they're going to do the same thing again? What, in fact, if they've done that same thing uh, millions of times before? Peter, who asks the question, is just beginning to understand what Jesus' kingdom is all about. He knows, he just knows, that Jesus is going to commend forgiveness and say that mercy is a good thing and that revenge is not God's way. In the culture at the time, the recommended number of times to forgive somebody was three. So three strikes and you're out, like in the States. Uh, And uh, that was the recommended. So so Peter thought, if I take three and I double it to six and I add one seven, that sounds pretty generous. Uh, Surely Jesus is going to uh, be on side. Now, of course, if you know the story, you'll know that later... In his life, uh, Peter was to experience firsthand uh, the forgiveness of Jesus and the power uh, and uh, the overwhelming uh, grace of Jesus' forgiveness. Uh, But Jesus' answer is is just to sort of blow up the number. Some translations say 70 times 7, some say 77. Uh, Jesus is saying, stop counting and try a new way. Uh, to look at forgiveness. And Jesus being Jesus does not leave it there. He tells his parable. And it's his way of saying to Peter, you are asking the wrong question. And in so doing, uh, he draws the issue of forgiveness away from what that person did to me 
and he shines a light on a dark corner of the human spirit. And that's where we're going to go together tonight. And that dark corner is this, how easy it is for all of us as people to go to God and say, God, you are merciful, God, you are loving, and please forgive me for the things that have stained my heart. And then in the next breath, to withhold forgiveness from those who ask it of us. And that is the dark corner of the human heart that we're going to go to tonight. And the parable plays out in three scenes. Uh, Here is the first one. Uh, You're in the boardroom. And in stride, Sir Alan, in the darkest of moods, and all the department heads are there, and so are the chief auditors, and there's uh, nervous glances all around, and Sir Alan turns to Will and says, Will, uh, when were you going to tell me about the 50 million pounds that you've been hiding in the accounts over the last couple of years? And all the eyes in the room turn to Will. Gulp. Uh, Will's been with the group for 15 years. He's a good department head, but he does have a bit of an issue. He loves a very extravagant lifestyle. And now he's run up a debt the size of a small country's GDP, and time is up. And as he faces the angry stares across the room, as he imagines the aftershocks that will reverberate through the company, he knows there is nowhere to hide. There's no rich uncle. There's nothing stashed away. Will is finished. Bankruptcy, prison, humiliation, divorce, all of those loom ahead. And Sir Alan, well, of course, what does Sir Alan say? He says, you're fired. Absolutely. Uh, Call security, uh, take this guy away, throw him in jail, and he can uh, sew sew post bags until he pays me back my 50 million pounds, which, as Dave shared this morning, is uh, many thousands of years. And Will has one last throw of the dice. He's got nothing to lose, and so he runs round to Sir Alan's chair, and he falls at his knees, and he says, with as much conviction as he can muster, I am sorry. I am really, really sorry. I will pay it back somehow. 50 million pounds, quite difficult. But just give me a little bit of time. And everyone else in the boardroom is looking at their shoes. It is so embarrassing. He's cheated Sir Alan out of 50 million. He's blown the whole lot. Now he's got caught. Now he wants another chance. At least we'll go down with a little dignity. And all eyes turn to Sir Alan. And everyone knows what he's going to say. He's famously tough. He plays hardball. Alan goes to speak. And he stops. And he seems somehow choked up. And something is happening in his heart. And Jesus calls that thing in his heart, mercy. He looks at Will and he says, all right, I forgive you. I'll absorb the 50 million. You keep your job. No more monkey business. And Will can hardly believe it. Nor can the others around the table. He's not going to jail. He won't lose his family. He's released from the debt. It's the same thought and feel as Jesus' parable of the prodigal son. It's scandalous, this story. It's supposed to make us think, oh my goodness, It's wonderful. It's liberating. Jesus wants us to see ourselves in Will's shoes and to know that when we approach a holy God, as we have done tonight, on our knees, overwhelmed by the messy tangle of our lives, that God changes the rules. And God says, now this is how it works. You owe, but I pay. Now, this is not cheap forgiveness. 
Sir Alan still has to absorb the 50 million pounds. Jesus still has to go to the cross. But he chooses to pay our debt, a debt that we could never pay on our own. But that is only scene one, and there is more to come. And so uh, we go into a corridor, and Will walks out. He's shaking his head in disbelief. He can't literally believe what happens. And he bumps into Dave, a colleague. And they've been on a golfing weekend with the boys a few weeks before. He goes, oh, Dave, um, that was, do you remember that weekend a few weekends ago? It was fantastic. Remember that £5,000 I lent you at the casino? <laughs> Didn't last very long, did it? Um, if it's all right with you, I'd like it back by the end of today. And Dave looks at his boots. He says, look, Will, I, I, I will pay you back. I really will. But can we just wait till the year ends? And I haven't told my wife about the casino. She'll kill me if I do. And I'm hoping to pay you back with my bonus. We're going to hit our targets for sure. Just give him a couple more months, please. And this is the very moment to which Jesus' story has been heading. Compare Dave's request to Sir Alan with Will's request. What's Will going to do? Surely, surely the point of the parable is, having been let off 50 million quid, imprisonment, divorce, complete humiliation... He can let Dave's 5K slide. Well, you would think so. But Will refuses. And instead, he calls security and has the guy uh, escorted from the building. And he calls the police. And he says, you're going to pay me back every single penny. Now, let's pause for a second as we consider what Will is being asked to do and what Jesus is teaching about forgiveness. In case we're in any doubt... Uh, think about the Lord's Prayer that we will pray in just a few moments here in our communion service. In the Lord's Prayer, we pray, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And in case that's not enough, immediately after that, Jesus says this, if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your Heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. There is no wiggle room here. There is no gray verges to this. What does Jesus mean? Peter wanted to know how many times he had to forgive. And Jesus tells him that as long as we are counting, so as long as we're asking for God's forgiveness, we should give it to others. Let's be clear at what forgiveness and mercy are not. Forgiveness and mercy is not excusing someone else's behavior uh, or considering extenuating circumstances that uh, might explain why they've hurt us. If you are caught doing 100 miles an hour on the way to Southampton, you might be excused if you have a seriously sick child with you in the car. But if an action is excusable, it doesn't require forgiveness. Uh, Mercy and forgiveness are not about forgetting. To forgive is not to forget. Scripture does sometimes use the language of God choosing to forget our sins, but it means forgetting our past sin, and that it becomes irrelevant in how he sees me today. Most of the time, in the field of human relationships, we have to decide to forgive precisely because we cannot forget. And all the people I've sat with over the years who poured out their hearts and and said how difficult it is to forgive... The reason they find it so difficult is because they can't forget. Because those memories, even if they're 5, 10, 15, 20, 30 years old, are still as vivid and as painful as they ever were. Now, most of you 
will have seen this photograph. It's of a young girl called Kim Phuc, who uh, was a Vietnamese girl. And you can see uh, she's there. She is running naked uh, from her village. And she's screaming with the agony of napalm burns uh, that will go on to nearly kill her. And writing later in life, she said, sometimes I could not live, but God saved my life and gave me faith and hope. And she founded something called the Kim Foundation, and it was to help innocent victims of war. And in 1996, she laid a wreath at the Vietnam War Memorial in Washington, and she spoke of her forgiveness for the people that had bombed her village. And there were many uh, US uh, veterans from uh, the Vietnam War who were there who wept as she forgave them. And they said, for her to forgive us personally, that means so much. Uh, forgiveness and mercy are not reconciling with someone. A beaten wife does not have to go back to her abusive husband. The business does not have to take back the routinely dishonest employee. Forgiveness can be given even if the offender hasn't asked for it and even if they don't deserve it. That's the point, as we know in our relationship with God. Reconciliation is a bigger thing, and it is the next step when the offender says sorry and they can make a new start together. This week, I was in Srebrenica, which is in Bosnia-Herzegovina, and in 1995, between eight and 9,000 Bosnian Muslims were killed over two or three days by the Serbian forces. I spent much of this week sitting with mothers and wives and some men who lost sons and husbands and brothers and fathers in that massacre. And it was brutality beyond what you can imagine. As men were hunted down like animals and thrown into pits and buried. And we spoke to one of the doctors who'd been at the hospital in Trebinitsa, who said that after a year, he had no supplies whatsoever. And so he used to have to go into the woods and he would have to amputate limbs off friends in the woods with no more than a, a saw and a hammer and a chisel. That's all he had. That was the level of brutality. That was 25 years ago. And to those women and men, although many of the men were killed, uh, the wounds are as deep and as severe and as pressing as they were the day it happened. This is a great challenge. Uh, God is not saying to those people, you must forget. He's not saying you can't campaign for truth. You can't stand up for justice. But he is saying there is blessing in letting go. And there is blessing in showing mercy. What is forgiveness and mercy uh, then? It's what we do uh, when excusing or tolerating or accepting aren't enough. Uh, being merciful is rejecting the enticing uh, offer that revenge makes to us. It's recognizing that the way of revenge will never work. It's saying that there is a debt between me and between you, but because I remember how God deals with me, 
and how he'd like you to deal with others. You may remember this man. His name is... Oh, that's all right. Let's try again. Let's get backwards. That's not right either. Um, we've forgotten him. Okay. I want to talk very briefly about a guy called... Um, not Sir Alan, but a guy called Gordon Wilson, uh, whose daughter, Marie, in the 90s, was killed by the IRA in Inneskillen. And Gordon Wilson was there when the bomb went off, and he held her in his arms as she died. Can you imagine what it was like to see your daughter's life ebb out, uh, literally on the pavement where the bomb uh, went off? And Mary McAleese, who was the president of the Irish Republic, said this about Gordon. I wonder if he'd say it about you. She said, he was a man so practiced in the discipline of love that when his beautiful daughter Marie died, hard and cruelly, her hand in his as she slipped away, the words of love and forgiveness sprang as naturally to his lips as a child's eyes are drawn to his mother. His words carried a sense of the holy into that ugly place when we could hardly bear to watch. Gordon, she says, had his detractors. Unbelievably, he had bags of hate mail. People wrote to him and said, how dare you forgive? What kind of father are you that you can forgive your daughter's killers? Gordon's offer of love and forgiveness was not, says Mary McAleese, a sign of weakness, but a sign of great strength. Mercy means that Will should have looked at Dave with the eyes of grace and taken him by the arm and gone for a beer to celebrate new beginnings. But like so many of us, Will wants to receive forgiveness, to have his debts cancelled without going on to give it away. Notice that Jesus doesn't say, this is a bad idea. He says, it's impossible. It's just, it can't happen. True forgiveness is never cheap, but it becomes possible the more we understand how God treats us. But it should be said, the cost of not forgiving is always higher. Which brings us finally uh, to the third scene uh, with Sir Alan. And it takes Alan about six minutes uh, to find out about Will's treatment of Dave. Sir Alan is not happy, as they say, and he summons him back to the boardroom. And this time there are no tears and there are no pleading and there are no bargains. Will, he says, you didn't get it. You've completely misunderstood me. You thought grace and forgiveness and mercy meant that I was a fuzzy-headed, incompetent idiot who'd let you get away with whatever you wanted to. You thought you could be the same old, hurtful, self-centered, unforgiving person that you were before. I was willing to pay your debt. You were shown forgiveness, but you won't give it away. You were offered grace, but you won't pass it on. You can take it for yourself, but you deny it to others. Will, the only people who can forgive are the forgiven, which means that you are unforgiven. You have rejected what I have to offer, and there is nothing left that I can give you. And so Alan, of course, says, this time for real, you're fired. It is right to think about what not forgiving does to our souls. And in my experience, people who can't forgive or won't forgive or don't forgive do become bitter and vengeful, and they rot slowly from the inside. You may have seen the same. 
But the compelling reason that Jesus gives us to be merciful and to forgive is different. If we can't show mercy to others, it simply shows that we have not received mercy from God. If we sing praises to God for his grace and his mercy, we must let that mercy seep into our dealings with others. I can do no more than end by asking you to put yourself in Will's shoes. So first of all, if you have never knelt down before God and just said to him, I owe you so much and I've squandered so much of what you've given me and I don't deserve it, but I just call out to you in my brokenness, then that is the first step. Simply, in your heart, to kneel before God and say, please, take my debt away. That is your first step. That is where it all begins. Because it's recognizing what Jesus has done on the cross. And if you know that love, and if you've received that grace, and you sing your heart out tonight about grace and mercy then please stop just for a moment and think, is there a Dave or is there a Davina? Someone who owes you, someone who's hurt you, someone who's taken from you, someone who's wounded you. The Christian prayer and Jesus' promise of blessing is that if we say again and again and again that our hearts will catch up with our mouth if we say, forgive us our sins, as we forgive those who sin against us. And all the people that I know who have been challenged with forgiving hard and difficult and painful things tell me they've had to say that prayer hundreds of times until finally their heart catches up with their head and they've begun to understand more clearly the mercy of God and the grace of God. And in the light of that, they don't say, I wasn't hurt. They don't say, it doesn't matter. They don't say, it's okay. They don't say, it's no big deal. They actually say the opposite. They say, I know exactly how much you hurt me. And I'm letting it go. And I'm looking at you with mercy. And I want to begin again. So remember, Jesus promises there is blessing in being merciful. And if we can't be merciful, then actually we can't come to a merciful God. Amen.